My name is Abhay Dandekar, and I share conversations with talented and interesting individuals linked to the global Indian and South Asian community. It's informal and informative, adding insights to our evolving cultural expressions, where each person can proudly say, trust me, I know what I'm doing. I'm Abhay Dandekar, and on this episode of Trust Me, I Know What I'm Doing, I'm joined by the funny brown mom, comedian, producer, and screenwriter, Zarna Garg. Stay tuned. So really, who doesn't like to laugh? We need it to break tension, to refresh, and to activate and express this very, very basic human craving of things that are funny. Speaking of craving, by the way, hit that subscribe button to the podcast. I'm kind of joking, but I'm also kind of serious, but really mostly joking. Okay, back to the comedy part, though. The Indian American in me wants someone to empathize with about the humor of aunties and uncles in my community, to joke around with about using our left hands, and someone who cringes but loves it when they're at the airport and hears someone yelling, hey, hey, everybody stay with the group. When I think of funny Indian women immigrants to the US who staked out a zone in the comedy world for themselves, the list is fairly short. And for me, it starts at Zarna Garg. She came to Ohio when she was 16, went to college and got her law degree, raised a family, wrote an award-winning screenplay, and shares her experiences now through comedy, doing stand-up around New York and creating some terrific stuff on TikTok. By the way, check out her video on Indians with oversized luggage at the airport. I promise you, you can relate. It's just priceless. She's got an Independence Day show in Edison, New Jersey, of course, on August 15th, so go check it out, please. I have to tell you that Zarna's style, authenticity, and really honest humor are so endearing that it made me love the fact that we had to record our conversation over two Zoom sessions, letting me get even more of a window into her world. Shara, this is round two. We had a bad audio connection last time, kind of like getting to meet royalty a second time. If you get the chance, you never pass it up. Namaste, Abe. Thank you so much for having me. You're absolutely right. I am nothing less than the queen, and I just wish the whole world knew it. You, of course, have entered this artistic space that, you know, again, doesn't have a whole lot of, of predecessors and role models and folks who, who've done this already or paved the way, especially for someone who's an Indian immigrant woman, a mother. Do, do you feel, again, that sense of responsibility? and almost the responsibility to preserve a value? Or does it feel like this is the moment to be bold and groundbreaking and, and share all the possibilities of what it's like to be an Indian immigrant uh, woman and a mom? I think both are not mutually exclusive. Yeah. You, you, I do think that it is a, it's, the moment is ours. We have to seize it and be bold. Uh, especially in America, there's a lot of support for the kind of work I'm doing. I don't think it was always like that, but in this moment it is, we might lose it again. So I'm always yeah. mindful. There might be something else next year or next month, yeah. but right now we have the support. Uh, so you, you do have to be bold and push the envelope a little bit, but in my grain, I am an Indian woman. Yeah. And I am, I, I'm everything that a normal everyday Indian woman is. Yeah. So, I really don't really think much about what I'm presenting because it's just naturally who I am is every Indian woman. And uh, I just try to, my only threshold is that I should not do anything that even remotely suggests or implies that I don't still love India because I live here. 
that's the one thing that i'm conscious of because my love for india is so deep and real yeah that i'm hypersensitive to it i make jokes don't get me wrong i mean we all do i make jokes about america about india about new york having kids all of it yeah but the the base of it is all coming from a place of love for sure i saw one of your instagram posts where about you know this whole idea of the olympics and you know you had your usa jacket on but then you peel it off and underneath is the indian flag i mean is that kind of the proxy for pretty much you know how it all goes exactly exactly and you know i mean i'm an immigrant you are a, you are a child of immigrants yeah. for us it is a little like yes i'm definitely team america but like when an indian person wins you best believe it's a big celebration yeah. for me you know when you came here in 92 when you were 16 and now reflecting on your journey as a writer as a comedian as as someone who's creating now more and more art in that way was your sense of humor different back then compared to how it's at least it is now or how it's evolved over the past um 30 years or so yeah i think i played it safe before yeah. now i'm doing it professionally i have to push the envelope mm. and i want to this voice that i've created that i've you know that has a little bit of a platform i want to shine a light on things that I can bring some attention to and I want to talk about the tough stuff even if I do it in a funny way. Right. Earlier it was just fun and games. It was like life observations, everything that's just happening at home. Yeah. But today I have videos that are like traveling all over the world on YouTube, on TikTok here there. So I I have to connect with other people's experiences and bring those into my experience. So it's a little more deliberate, it's a little more methodical the way in which I do something. and i want i'm very conscious like you know um i take the responsibility seriously i'm i think i'm the only married woman comedian talking about indian marriages mother in laws and all that if there is another one the person is out there somewhere and i haven't found that you know like there's yeah. one or two or three right. you could probably count on one hand yeah so i take my job very seriously as being you know uh, of what am i putting out there and how am i relating it to everybody else i don't want to be that indian woman who's like oh only talking about stuff that doesn't relate i my yeah. a big part of my writing is making sure that when a jewish family watches it like it's the same stuff relate to it too you know i want i've i've asked this to other folks um too you know you're sharing a little bit about your own experience as a south asian or an indian american immigrant is it important to distinguish that this is your experience and your observations not the experience or the observations that obviously encapsulate everyone 100% because you, you first of all india is a very big country yeah you know just india alone numerically everybody's experience is different second of all we are in the age of social media so if i were to say in india all indians you right. know the whole mob is going to come for me right and in in some way rightfully so because i can't possibly speak for every indian yeah yeah you know so i try as much as i can to stick to this is my view and my experience but then some things are obvious i mean like listen all indian mother in laws are villains okay i can say that i have no comment on that by the way any any of my family members <laughs> listening um but, you know that was her not me <laughs> You know, you want me to tell you something a funny story about what you just did? I did the, I did a joke about this. I was like, all mother-in-laws are funny. 
Yeah. And there was a young newly married couple sitting in the front row and the husband just exploded, erupted in laughter with that line. And right after I was done, the wife like smacked him and said, you said you love my mother. <laughs> my mother has been nothing but nice to you. In the middle of my set, she started yelling yeah. at him. <laughs> and to the flip side of that, when, when we talk about like saying that we're not, uh, you know, representing everyone and nor rightfully so, we're not trying to. For, for the non-Indian person who's seeing your comedy or your art or reading a screenplay of yours for the very first time, indeed, are we representing something, right? I mean, to him, we are representing Indians. But because we are not categorically saying it in that way, there's a little bit of an, you know, well, they can even now, today, everybody knows multiple Indian people. There was a time yeah. when you had one Indian doctor. Right. Right. Or an engineer that you worked with. Today, like everybody knows so many of us. So it gives them the room to decide what experience they, re they relate to. But I do think like when I do jokes, right? Yeah. People are not going around saying, oh, that Indian woman comedian, her perspective is good. Yeah. They just say that Indian comedian, she's hilarious. Right. To them, I am the Indian mom comedian. Yeah. And until there's three, four more, I will probably be the only one they might remember. You've really taken your comedy and art to the space of TikTok and social media and Instagram and whatnot. What, what's so different about creating there versus doing a live? Because the, the pace of it, the, you know, the content literally whizzes by and, and leaves you. Uh, I think both are two entire businesses in their own selves yeah. that don't really overlap. The challenge of being a comedian today of what I aspire to be is that you really have to fuel both fires mm. in their own specific ways. Stand-up comedy is extremely unforgiving. It has to be fast-moving, set-up punchline, set-up punchline, set-up punchline, especially in a New York City club yeah. where getting uh, stage time is like a battle of its own like thing. Like, it is so difficult to get five minutes on stage that you cannot blow a single second when you have it. Right. Digital content is easier in that way in that you can manipulate things a little bit, you can edit, you can da 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 da, da. But, the, but, the, but the issue with digital content is that to catch the vibe of what's gonna work, that's the beast you're trying to figure out. Mm. So in a, in a club, you kind of have an idea. People wanna hear certain jokes. Yeah. They want to hear the mother-in-law jokes. They want to hear the immigrant jokes. There are three, four things. If you hit two minutes of each of those things, you're a success. Done. Right. TikTok and Instagram is anybody's guess. Yeah. One day they want to hear this. One day, like something else is in the news and that's the only thing that's trending. So you either get on that bandwagon or you're on no wagon. Right. <laughs> right. Which means that you, your idea of in some ways, spontaneity and the ability to feel the temperature of a crowd is just different when you're in the digital space versus um, with a live audience and the relationship and, development with your audience too. Oh, completely. And the intensity with, with the digital has to be managed. I don't think people realize it's a, it's a relationship management. Like if you've ever been on my Instagram stories, every day I do polls and how is your day and what are you doing? And, you know, because it's, it's a constant feedback loop. Like if you can't just be talking one way, it's an engagement mechanism. Sure. And in some way, comedy has kind of blended with journalism in this country. I don't know, in the last few years, 
like your part news your part comedy your part delivering like you know like so now suddenly from being a comedian i'm also a little bit of a journalist because i have to keep my eye on what's the news of the day yeah yeah i had never used to focus on the news as much as i have to now for my work because if something big happens i have to say something about it. it could be a tweet it could be a story it could be a post something but i've got to address it to stay relevant do you wonder though um at some point if people are or the people who create i mean in your position especially if you're not programmed that way does the sheer exhaustion of the information ever creep up and you feel like look this is we're we're just rehashing facts or we're just you're riffing on facts as opposed to actual observational comedy which you know is possibly a little bit different yeah i mean i every digital creator that i know including myself is exhausted yeah and is like is creatively wiped out right i mean people think oh she is a blogger or an instagrammer or whatever or you know he's you know even podcast listen yeah. i know how hard it is to make these things interesting and then edit them and then make the promos and you know get the angle it, it's come on how how hard could this be we're well, just but chatting. you know we won't talk about the others that came before and will come <laughs> after but you know what i mean like the consumer consumes it in 20 minutes 30 minutes or in my case 30 seconds yeah and it's like so what's next do you know how much i deal with that do you write a new joke yet did you <laughs> like what what about my last one let's celebrate that a little bit no i mean it gets consumed in a minute and you have to that pace is it's it's intense it's but yeah. the payoff is there i'll tell you this i don't think an indian mom would ever even have a shot yeah at doing what i'm doing if i didn't have this big digital presence that's growing right. and that i can control it is an opportunity to put yourself out there without dealing with every gatekeeper in a traditional setting that would have been there sure sure saying no I, to us and i also i also wonder you know comes in very unique and in some ways surprising ways i think you shared a story where you did a performance where there were literally people who were in tears saying that like they yeah. they couldn't get enough of what you're doing and and it's the first time they've ever experienced something like that are are those the moments that essentially are are the the fuel to this all so uh, you know they they point these elderly people in america yeah. were saying to us that for 50 years we've laughed at jokes that we didn't understand right Right. they watch tv shows that they don't really relate to they they go to clubs every once in a while and they like they laugh because it's the thing to do but like do they really relate to that those experiences not at all yeah. and that was a very emotionally deeply moving and touching moment and i i understood what they were saying yeah because i feel that way. right i i don't relate to a lot of what goes on in pop culture in america you know even right. though i've been here 30 years right like you know, there's so much like about love and dating and stuff that was never my experience right? right but i laughed at it like when i watch friends to be totally honest with you i i was horrified every time friends was airing that tv show yeah it was like oh my god they're dating they're not dating they're dating they're together they're not together i mean right. for an indian sensibility it's like the worst thing that could happen <laughs> right it's the, it's the ultimate in panic do you think that was because of the i mean you you unlike some you know came here when you were a teenager and so you know you were going through some of the that same kind of experience to some degree as a younger person here in in America um as opposed to someone who's coming here 
after having had a family and starting to raise them, yeah. is that is that relationship, or at least the relationship you've had as being an immigrant, you know, is that is that does that change the calculus when you're experiencing these things? I think I was more open to all that, the, all those new fangled ideas and idea yeah. and stories and jokes, but I completely understand the people who said or say even now that they don't relate to it. I completely yeah. get it. Right. That's the truth of the world that I come from. I mean, being here for 30 years and having three kids and all of that yeah. does change your mind and how you perceive things. But when, when a really elderly uncle is sitting in the audience and telling me, I don't think this is a good idea. You should not, you should not leave her. Right. He's not going to do better than that. <laughs> you know, I, I, I get you. I get you. And by the way, in your comedy sets and with your live audience, um, do, do you get a fair amount of, of mixed generations who are, are experiencing this and, and giving you the same kind of vibe or feedback when, when they watch it? I, I imagine it would be somewhat different for one of your contemporaries to be in your audience along with their kids or their parents for that matter. Yeah, I mean, I get a huge multi-generational crowd. Yeah. Also, I get a lot of teens, keep yeah. in mind, because I only do clean comedy. So families yeah. feel very comfortable bringing their kids. And the teens love that I do jokes about school and, you know, getting a B A in math and the, the gym grades and <laughs> whatever, you know, matters to them. So, uh, and I sometimes unpredictably come to their defense, you know, they, they expect Indian mom to say a certain thing. And then, yeah. you know, I take it the other way. Uh, and of course the elderly people feel very welcome at my shows because all the humor is, you know, is designed with them in mind often. Um, yeah, and, I've been very lucky. And, and that's a, both a line in the sand, but a risk, right? To be a clean comedian. Yeah. You know, and because you have, a background in law and finance and, and business, I mean, is the calculated risk in that way, or the, for that matter, the creation of the opportunity of being a clean comedian, is that with some design in mind? Completely. Yeah. Uh, I'm running a business. Yeah. I'm a screenwriter. I'm a comedian. I run a comedy business. Yeah. The only way to be a corporate performer or to be a performer in academia, which, you know, a lot of colleges high, is to have clean comedy sets. Yeah. Now that's the business side of it. The truth is that I'm a very proud writer. Yeah. I, I, I have a, I'm a little bit of a snob about my own writing. Like I want to believe that I can compete at the highest level yeah. and deliver that. So if it takes a little longer to get it right, and if it, you know, if it's a little more work, it's going to take more finessing. I don't mind doing it. Yeah. Because I, I really am aspiring to be among those greats who did it. They are the ones who inspired me. I didn't even watch all the, the other comedy. Mm -hmm. I would have, I myself would have never stepped foot into a club if all I was going to get is dick jokes. Yeah. I have no interest in them, none right. whatsoever. Right. You know what I mean? So the only thing I relate to, for better or for worse, is a guy like Seinfeld or Ray Romano. And they happen to be the greats. Yeah. And they happen to be completely clean family comedians. And thinking about rearranged, your your the screenplay you wrote, um, which is somewhat semi autobiographical journey with this. Do you think that because of its, in some ways, kind of perfection, that you're you're like, hey, listen, I hold myself to the to this kind of standard. Is it is it the kind of storytelling then, whether it's a screenplay or it's your comedy, 
that has to live to your own standard? Absolutely. Because it's not going to leave my desk until I'm satisfied and it's ready. Right. And when I say that, I mean from all aspects, creatively, the product, the commercial viability of it, because for example, rearranged has been optioned by a production company. It's going to be set up by a studio. I'm extremely aware that somebody is going to put a lot of money into this story to bring it to life. Yeah. And I take that responsibility of all of them recouping their money very seriously. Mm. And including all my jokes, like if a club is giving me stage time, stage time is so precious. See, you have to understand the, the financial calculus, calculus of a club. They need to push their food and drinks and all of that in that little time while you're up on stage. Yeah. The audience has to be happy to buy that next drink. Right. That's how these people make money. Yeah. And the audience has to be happy so the club can book you again and bring you back. Yeah. And all that makes comedy a very serious business. Like when I first realized uh, what it takes to get booked as a headliner, which I am, yes. which I do like 45 minutes of my own set, you have to deliver a laugh every 11 to 13 seconds. Mm. And there are comedy bookers that will review every tape and watch the audience reaction. So it's not just fun and games. It's, it's serious business. And honestly, I was intimidated by it for a minute. And then I realized, I was like, you know what? But if I learn how to do it, yeah. it's liberating. Yeah. I can feel confident in what I'm doing and just go and do it. And it's like, it's the data that goes behind perfecting just about any other craft. Anything, right? exactly. Yeah. I mean, Seinfeld talks about this extensively in, uh, in all the media that he does, like how many times he reworks. It can even be one word, oh my God. And comedians are the worst. We cannot let it go. You know, sometimes you then you're like, just let it go. It's not worth it. But it's like, it's that obsessiveness that gets you to comedy to begin with, you know, where you're obsessing about one word at a time. But I take it very seriously and, I, and I'm proud of it. Like I run it like a real business. I'm very proud of that. Well, I mean, and, and for you, you know, someone who prides themselves in the authentic sincerity of your work, do you, do you also have to balance a little bit of the iterative process as opposed to seeking perfection at, at, you know, you said you mentioned this sort of like obsessiveness of of going for that specific tone or vibe or or thought that you're trying to write about, or versus you know other uh, types of work where you're like, okay, it's a it's a it's a process to get there, and right. you know at at one point we we have a funny. Uh, line every 15 seconds as opposed yeah. to every 12 seconds. I mean, you know, do, do you take that as a, as a victory or do you, you say know like, what, oh, You know what a- has helped me with this obsessiveness? And this is a new age comedy phenomenon that even like the greats didn't have to deal with is the fact that half our career is on the digitals. Yeah. So let, for example, if I'm doing an Instagram or a TikTok live, which is a part of being, having an account and growing it and all of that, you're going to make mistakes. You're going to have downtimes. You're go- like, there's just no way for it to grow any other way. Yeah. The, and your audience on the social media channels, they're going to see you fall. You're going to try things that, you, because the algorithm is so wild and it's, no one knows how it works. So you really will be trying, like there's no way to guarantee a win. Right. Until you try 10 different things. Yeah. So I think, but what it has done is it's also relaxed me a little bit with my stand-up comedy because I know I, I'll come back from it. Like, 
Yeah. If, if I lost my vibe for a second or for 10 seconds, I, I know I'll get it back because I'm dealing with it with the digital space constantly. If we don't today as comedians or creators of any kind have the luxury to say, you know what, I'm not going to post anything this week because I don't have anything perfect. You can't right. do that. Right. All of these things that, that you mentioned that are drivers for success as a comedian, success as a screenwriter, um, success in general as a, as a creator. What kinds of lessons has this all taught you in, in the non-creative space, uh, in being a parent or, or just being, you know, someone who is trying to be an a, a Indian immigrant woman and mom? Okay, I'm going to tell you this, and this is between you, me, and your listeners. My kids can never hear this. Okay. That's three. That's three less people who will listen to the show now. I'm sorry. You're gonna have to find a way to block my own kids. <laughs> but the truth is that doing something that makes you happy matters. Yeah, I've learned that. I was the voice against happiness until two years ago. I believed strongly in the Indian way. Everybody will be a mathematician. But by the way, for those listening out there, math rules everything. So, um... and here we are. And like, when I reflect at my own life, I'm stunned with how much writing I've done that I never paid attention to because I was so determined to follow this bad boyfriend of math. Hmm. Well, and, and has this, has this journey and the shape it's taken in the last few years, has it liberated you in some ways in your family life and, and in your, in your personal life? completely i own it now yeah i it's the first time in my life i own that i'm a writer and yeah. it's taken year, even right now when somebody says who wrote this like i have a minute of like who wrote it i don't know who wrote it <laughs> and then i go no i wrote it <laughs> yeah. yeah because i never thought of myself as a writer even though i can show you volumes and volumes like I have not only won the Austin Film Festival, I was selected for Blacklist Publications, which is like one of the most elite screenwriting publications. Yeah. I mean, but I don't know, the Indian woman and me never took it seriously. Right, right. I kept thinking, well, okay, well, you know, whatever, like how important can a writing prize be? Yeah. And yet does the, the success and the accolades or the achievements and the uh, awards... Are, are they builders of trust and confidence? Is it equally important to have your own self-trust and confidence? Does the affirmation of your family and those close to you, you know, does that all make a difference? Or are these all uh, accelerators? They are all builders of opportunity. Yeah. So this, any award, reward here, the external validation opens that next door to something. Mm -hmm gives you another opportunity, gives me five more minutes on a club here. But my biggest prize, what I really work for, is the reaction that I get from people. Yeah. The fact that I can, people can see my work and they react to me, they pull me aside and tell me how, how much it meant to them, or the like, like, it's not about the likes, but it is about the likes. If I see, like, for example, I have a video on, TikTok right now about my overs oversized luggage. I don't know if you got to see it, but it's about an overpacked bag, which if you're an Indian person, you know, 50 pounds is a little loose. Right. 50, 60, 70, we're yeah. hovering in there somewhere. <laughs> that video. There, there's always room for an extra jardine. 
listen if you haven't seen it check it out today at some point 4 million views in 2 days 60000 people that that like the comment this has happened to me yeah i mean that means something to me sure you know and and people saying i start i like i threw up my coffee because you like it just made them crack up because they, we've all been there yeah with the bag and somebody yelling at us and saying that is not 50 pounds and like my husband was yelling at me and he's like what have you put in there and you know the whole thing so the awards the rewards all of it is good my family supporting me means the world to me it without that i just couldn't even do any of this this is the truth as a stay at home mom for 16 years i i've i have spoken on this a lot and you're a doctor you'll understand i felt like i had zero self confidence Mm. 16 years of changing diapers and and feeding baby food makes you think that the world has passed you by. Yeah. And uh you know so to to have them come together and bring me to the front and give me that courage means everything but the ultimate goal and the biggest prize is when I see that the work is resonating and changing somebody's day. Well, it's it's resonating, it's changing people's days, it's making them spit out their coffee. Zarna, thank you so much. It's always uh, a terrific time for me, but I really appreciate you coming on. I hope we can catch up again sometime soon. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. It is such a pleasure and an honor. I love your podcast. Uh keep doing more and I can't wait to hear all the other episodes. This one my kids won't be hearing. And and might I suggest keep it away from your kids too because you know we won't don't want to put any bad ideas out there. So again, for the kids old and young who are out there that may or may not be listening, be kind, stay healthy, get your vaccines, and try and learn more about Zarna at zarnagarg.com. Till next time, I'm Abhay Dandekar.